A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. You were too strong for me, and you triumphed. All the day I am an object of laughter. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I must cry out. Violence and outrage is my message. The word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day. I say to myself, I will not mention him. I will speak in his name no more. But then it becomes like fire burning in my heart, imprisoned in my bones. I grow weary holding it in. I cannot endure it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. O God, you are my God, whom I seek. For you my flesh pines and my soul thirsts, like the earth parched and lifeless and without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord, thirsting for you, my God. Thus have I gazed towards you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. For your kindness is a greater good than life. My lips shall glorify you. My soul is thirsting for you, my Lord. Thirsting for you, my God. Thus will I bless you while I live. Lifting up my hands, I will call upon your name. As with the riches of a banquet shall my soul be satisfied, and with exultant lips my mouth shall praise you. My soul is thirsting for you, my Lord, thirsting for you, my God. You are my help, and in the shadow of your wings I shout for joy. My soul clings fast to you, your right hand upholds me. My soul is thirsting for you, Lord, thirsting for you, my God. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is, what is the will of God, what is good 
and pleasing and perfect. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. <coughs> then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. Ever since the advent of sin in the world, those who are called to the service of God and embrace it, that reality entails struggle, renunciation, and overcoming of self. 
That is a result of sin and its consequences. We see this profoundly presented of all of the prophets. We probably do not get a better presentation of what it was, who the, who the person was that was called of all of the prophets other than that of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called, and some scholars speculate he may have been as young as 15 years old, to proclaim the prophetic word at a time in which sin, iniquity was rampant in the kingdom that God had established his people in. And as you can well imagine, this young person, as he was being called, we remember the call of Jeremiah, uh, Lord, I... I'm too young. I, I cannot speak. And of course, the Lord uh, affirmed him in his apprehension and empowered him with the divine word to go forth and preach, or at least let us say, proclaim what God wants him to say. And as you can imagine, the people didn't like it one bit. In fact, God even told Jeremiah, they are not going to listen to you but you are to say what I'm telling you to say and have no fear of them. I am with you and I will be with you. So this was the charge. And as Jeremiah went about saying what the Lord said to say, he, he experienced all types of vitriol, rejection. He was even threatened with death. They, thrown him, they threw him into a cistern. He was just like, and so he was given the nickname terror on every side. This was the experience of one who's trying, trying to manifest the righteousness of God. And any of us who live in this day and age in our Western civilization, and you're trying to live the way God wants you to live and try to even offer some counsel to someone who's near and dear to you or maybe not so near and dear and associate, I'm sure you've experienced some of that terror or uh, violence, and not necessarily physical, but there is not a receptivity to what God wants us to do and the way he wants us to be. So we hear an echo, or we see rather a preview of how Peter, who has just recently been given the inspiration of heaven, to recognize and to disclose the identity of Jesus as the God-man. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus now, from that time, we say, it says Jesus began from that time on. This is a transition point now. Jesus is transitioning from the ministry in the Galilean region, now moving southward to Jerusalem to consummate the mission where he will, as he says, experience resistance. There will be violence, violence that will ultimately bring him to his death, but he will rise on the third day. But Peter is like, oh no, we're not going to have any of that. He takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him in saying, that's, that's, that's some audacity there. So bold, and so he's like pulling Jesus aside and saying, no, let me tell you, this is how it's going to go. Well, Jesus was very familiar with what Peter was offering him because it wasn't that far long ago when Jesus was driven into the desert by the Holy Spirit. And after 40 days of fasting, 
the devil came, Satan came, and tempted him with the same ideas to take a shortcut to, the, to, to your objective. You don't have to, you don't need the suffering. The suffering doesn't have to be a part of this. Come on. If you're the son of God, you have the ability to do whatever you want. But remember Jesus, he says, I've come not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And the will of the one who sent me is that I not lose anything of what he gave me. So this mandate, this dynamic of the cross, of suffering being part and parcel of the dynamic of the mystery of dying and rising, of coming to new life, of transformation, is an essential reality to God's plan, the Father's plan of salvation. And this is the way it is. So Jesus is accepting of this, and he's disclosing this. Now, of course, and we think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't have the benefit of being told uh, some of the dynamics. And, of course, he didn't get the opportunity to hear, well, you know, after all the suffering, you're going to have a tremendous reward for you. There will be a redemption. There will be a restoration beyond your wildest imagining. But still in all, it's good for us to hear the experience of one who's called to do the work of God and, and at, at what cost? Well, it doesn't cost us anything in terms of worldly possessions or treasure, but it does cost us everything in the realm of the Spirit. Soul, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's a complete surrender that God demands of us. And Jesus models this for us. And we see how when Jesus rebukes Peter, he doesn't tell him, man, if you lost your mind, get out of here. Don't ever come back. He doesn't tell him that. Get behind me. Get behind me. And look at the way Jesus uses the play on words. Because the term Satan or Satan in the Greek is skandalon. It's where we get the word scandal, a scandalon. And it means literally an obstacle, like a stumbling block, a rock, a, 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 a stone that, that one can stumble on. So you see how Jesus is saying, I just named you as the rock that I'm building, I'm going to build my church on. Now here you present yourself to me as a stumbling block. Come on, get behind me. Mind yourself, know who's who and whose you are, and what it is that you've been called to. We ought to be encouraged to know that the Lord allows us to wrangle with him, to wrestle, not only with him, but to wrestle with ourselves as we strive to understand that the call of discipleship, and you know, most people, if you say, well, do you are you a disciple? Do you believe in, in Jesus? Are you, are you a follower of the Lord? They'll say, well, yes. They'll speak in terms of belief in Jesus. But the term disciple means one who is a student. And to be a student means total acceptance and imitation of the one you and I choose to follow. And so Jesus takes the opportunity to teach in the light of Peter's gaffe, so to speak, to teach us about what discipleship entails, acceptance of suffering and 
the commitment to imitate him on every level. You are not thinking as God. You're thinking as human beings do. And St. Paul gives us understanding about that word. When we think as human beings, it's when we look at the situations, the challenges that the gospel calls us to. We're trying to discern it. We're trying to work it out purely from a natural point of view, from our own limited, finite resources. But to think and see something as God thinks and sees it is to entrust ourselves to the movement of the Spirit, particularly the Spirit of love, which is a transformative power. We hear how Jeremiah, even after his experience of, of being renounced by the people and so forth, what does he say? I, 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 I resigned myself to, I'm not going to say anything about it anymore. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to speak it. But he said, it's like a fire. It was like a fire in me. I couldn't contain it. I couldn't help myself. And that's understandable. Remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus when Jesus broke open the word for them. Were not our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us on the way? They were so overwhelmed that after the moment of recognition and the breaking of the bread, they went back to Jerusalem in the night to go and tell them what had been made known to them on the way and how he was revealed to them in the breaking of the bread. St. Paul reminds us that when we were baptized, the love of God has been poured into our hearts in such a way that hope does not disappoint. So we hear St. Paul exhort us today. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Are there challenges? Are there sufferings inherent to following Jesus, yes, they are. There are. But then let us bear this in mind. When he made that clarion call to the whole world, come to me, all of you who are wearied in this life, you're burdened, come, learn from me who am meek and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you, it's easy, my burden, it's light. You notice in every sanctuary of a Roman Catholic church, there is the crucifix central in the sanctuary. It is to remind us that the one who calls us is also one who bears the burden with us. That's what, that's what makes the, the challenges, the struggles bearable and light, if you will, or easy. Because it's love that beckons us. Love that transforms and renews us to the extent that we, as Jesus discloses in this ongoing teaching today about discipleship, we who are striving to, to be his follower, we must be willing to lose our lives in the world. It's the paradox in order to gain it. For only God gives life and takes life and gives it back again. 
This is the reality. And it's in this light, if we don't think this is what the Lord is calling us to understand this mission in light of, well, then look at the end, the very last sentence. Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. Let us be resolved today. As we hear this word at a transition point in Jesus' movement towards Jerusalem, as we come to the Lord today in the second part of the liturgy, the liturgy of the Eucharist, let us choose to lose ourselves in him and in receiving him under the humble appearance of the bread and the wine transubstantiated into his body, blood, soul, and divinity, we receive, we receive in this time already that medicine, that reality, that sustenance that is preparing and setting in motion the transformation of a life of glory in which all that we deal with now will be a past a remembrance, and yet something we will actually celebrate for all of eternity because God was using it all and continues to use it all to perfect us in holiness of life. God love you.